Midtown Atlanta's Madison Grill. In addition to being family and my former best friend, Eric was VP of fundraising for Communities in Action, a sister entity of my employer, the American Dream Political Party. He was also the assigned hitman. I could say that my boss, Miriam Lloyd, the Dream Party's chairwoman, was too chicken to fire me herself, but I won't. The woman's known me since the day I was born. If I were in her shoes, I doubt I could pull the trigger on a friend's kid either. Better to let a water boy like Eric get his hands dirty. Deke, you have to resign. You know, I wouldn't do this if I didn't think it was best for you and for the party. The words popped out of my cousin's mouth after a half hour of small talk just after our waitress promised our meals were on the way. He'd pulled a sneak attack, but somehow I kept my cool. Although Eric had punctured the last thin layer protecting my self-respect and pride, my real reaction wouldn't come for nearly 24 hours. That's usually how it happens when folks lose it. As a brother with five NFL seasons under my belt, and a proven track record of community activism, I have to say, failure was a new experience for me. Protesting at first, I had loosened my tie and reminded Eric why I deserved to continue as the party's executive director. I had the training, a master's in public policy earned at Carnegie Mellon during my years with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I had the experience. Before joining the Dream Party, I had spent three years running education reform programs for Communities in Action, the empowerment organization my father founded before setting up the Dream Party. I didn't stop there, reminding Eric that I had trained at my father's elbow, formally and informally, from the day I was born until his tragic death in a fire at his Washington, D.C. supper club. Eric, who, like me, is 29 and was once more like a twin brother than a cousin, was touched, but he didn't buy my defense. This ain't about what I think, he whispered, his eye contact wavering as the waitress set a sizzling sirloin fillet before him. I wanted to believe him. Eric and I had been yin to each other's yang for years. I was ruggedly handsome. He was just this side of pretty. I had the brain power and the social conscience he had the charm and the people skills. Back when we were teenage punks and my stutter turned me mute, Eric always stepped in and played Aaron to my Moses, covering for me with his flashy smile and quick wit. As a team, we'd done it all. Seduced women from coast to coast, raised money for both communities in action and the dream party, and helped extend my father's legacy. Damn. Those days felt like ancient history. Don't take this the wrong way, Deke. But Miriam always thought your stuttering would cause problems. Most people never see you talk like that. But come on, Miriam's known you since you were a kid. She gave you a shot out of respect for your dad. But Jesus, after the way you bungled words in that interview? George Bush sounds more articulate on his worst day. 
momentarily overpowered by my cousin's slam, as well as by the lingering scent of the waitress's heavy perfume, I reminded Eric this was my first time losing it during a media appearance. The Fox interview had been my first appearance on national television in a while, but through the years, I'd handled myself perfectly on all sorts of radio and television shows. When you lose it one time, Eric replied, no one remembers the times you got it right. My brain was as good as frozen, but somehow my mouth kept moving. Defenses, pleas, and threats spilled out of me. I even reminded Eric of my children, not to mention my trusty child support obligations. When none of that cracked him, I insisted on a face-to-face with Miriam. That got nothing but a narrowed stare and an anxious wave of the hands from Eric. Not a good idea. You know Miriam's just getting over that surgery. She's not at full strength yet. That's why she came to me. This is a crucial time for the dream party, man. We have a chance to honor your father's memory, build a dream into the first viable political party for black folk. Like I didn't know that. Everything has to be executed perfectly, though. Starting with our public image. You don't fit, Deke, not when you can't get your words out straight. Miriam needs an executive director who delivers. No missteps, no mishaps. I pushed back from the table, intent on calling Miriam, but Eric's next words welded my ass to my seat. She's afraid you'll sue her for discrimination, cuz. That's why I'm here, as a buffer. I'm asking you to keep this confidential. Do what's best for the dream party. Do it for Uncle Frederick's legacy. Miriam won't be in charge forever. Eric's attempt to use my father's memory against me was too low. I don't recall my exact response, but it involved four-letter words and pointed accusations about my cousin's loyalty. Deacon, come on. Do you want to be the loser's son hanging around his father's organization even when you're not cutting it? End of conversation. Walking the plank at gunpoint left me cold as a corpse. Humiliation blanking out my thoughts. I went home, packed for a previously planned trip to Chicago, fed my dog Prince, and strolled into the dark night, hoping a five-mile run would transport me to another world. Fifteen hours and a plane ride later, I pulled up to my son Dewan's school building. Time had passed, but Eric's words were still there, poking holes into my soul like pins in a cushion. Shuffling my way up Jackson Junior High's front walk, I swept a gaze over the chipped bricks, peeling paint and windows insulated with duct tape. Compared with Kenwood Academy, my alma mater on Chicago's South Side, this West Side school screamed academic emergency. I couldn't imagine Jackson offered Dewan an equal opportunity to compete for the American dream, but it was a last resort. I'd help Candy, his mother, enroll him in two separate magnet schools. 
the 13-year-old fruit of my loins got expelled from both of them. Hey, over here. Candy stood a few feet down the hall from me, just outside a doorway with a generic white sign overhead reading, Office. Nodding coolly, I prepared for my first real conversations of the day. Feel the flow, I told myself, recalling some of my old speech therapy from childhood. Feel the flow. After my recent Fox News debacle, where I'd stuttered my ass off, I was newly self-conscious. Relaxing the muscles around my mouth and letting my words flow out in a calm, unhurried manner was my only hope of sounding more like Superman and less like Porky Pig. I needed to speak fluently today. I was here to protect my son from himself. The night of the Fox News disaster, Candy had asked me to fly up from Atlanta after Dewan was suspended again for groping a girl in the hallway without her permission. My boy was turning into a little Arnold Schwarzenegro. Knowing even then that I was in danger of losing my job, I hadn't felt like playing father knows best, but I had no choice. At 13, Dewan was in a pivotal phase. Either I had to help stomp out these antics now, or I'd deal with far worse consequences down the road. Reaching Candy, I took her into my arms with a quick, tepid hug. Still rail thin, her figure had hardly changed from the days we cut school to wear each other out on her father's plastic-covered couch. We complimented each other for looking good for damn near 30. She didn't look like she'd ever carried a baby, and at six foot two and 200 pounds...